If you would, turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and also 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to dive in and keep talking about uh, following Jesus and how we can uh, move forward together today. Um, Thank you for joining us online. Um, As we we do this today in person, if you're online and you have a question or prayer request, make sure you can, there's always a button for you to push where someone can connect with you and pray with you on the spot. Um, But I love that you're joining us online. As Jamie said, we don't know who's watching us all online, but I know one person. Hi, Mom. I know you're there. Um, let's, let's pray as we dive into the word today. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that we get to come together and uh, learn more about you and your word. And I pray today, God, as we talk about um, moving forward together as, as the body of Christ and as a community, you give us each idea as an inspiration on how we can connect, how we can contribute, how we can receive. God, how you can grow and work in each, in each and every one of us. So God, we thank you for today. We give you all the praise. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Now, I, I think it's common that most people have a desire to, to move forward in life. You, you very seldom meet someone who says uh, either, you, you may meet people that say, I'm okay where I'm at, but very seldom do you people hear people say, I want to go backwards, right? It's not a, here's where I am in life, I just want to go backwards and do less, um, I, I want to grow you know, less intelligent, I don't want to expand anything, I just wish I could le- learn less about this or unlearn things I've learned. It's, it, walking backwards is not a common thought. A lot of us say we want to move forward with life. There, there's things that, that hit us, we say, I want to learn more, I want to do more, I want to grow more. And this can come into not just spiritual life, but even in finances. People say, like, I want to grow in finances. I want to grow in my health. I want, I want to grow in my, my understanding and my wisdom. Growth is, is a natural desire and a tendency to move forward in. And we all have dreams and goals and things we want to do. But, but I think a lot of these like dreams and hopes and resolutions aren't going to happen unless we understand a context of how we can better ourselves or put ourselves in a position to where we're going to grow. In a position where we're going to say, this is what I can now do to move forward. And I think a lot of people try in this area sometimes, but you, you don't get where you're wanting to go because of maybe a community that you're not a part of. Or you're not surrounding yourself with people that are going to help you get from point A to point B. And sometimes people have this lone wolf mentality. So today, we're, I think we're, we're going to talk about your circle. We're going to talk about your crew, your homies, right? Who are, who are you hanging out with? Who, when you say, these are my people, who are you talking about? Who are the people that are going to surround you and come along with you in the journey? And if it's a year and a time where we want to see progression and moving forward, a lot of it's going to have to do with the community that we have around us, the people that are alongside us on this journey, the people that are going to inspire us to move forward, the people that we're going to help inspire to move forward. A lot of it has to do with our surroundings. And all of us have a story in this area. So a number of years back when I was in a seminary and, and a Bible school and ministry school, we, we did this project. And actually, um, I was with uh, Pastor Chris, and he was helped leading this project. And it was, it was an intensive thing where you start looking at your whole life. And if you look at your life, I bet all of us can have what we would call, or what the movie Inside Out calls, core memories, right? We can look back and say, all right, this is something I will never forget. This memory helped shape who I am today. So we have some core memories in our life. It could be someone that did something for you, someone that did something with you, an event. Um, Some of them can be really, really happy. Some can be really traumatic. But it's it's a core moment in your life that shaped who you are and changed a major shift. We also have other memories that um, maybe aren't core memories, but they are things that that you remember. Like, oh, this, this was significant. So in this project, what we did is we started with this big old blank piece of poster board. And we had, to, we had to categorize our lives. Like, all right, this is me in childhood. This is me middle school, high school. This is me college, young adult, and then now where I am today. And so you start writing out all these memories, and you all start with the same 
colored post-it note, like memory, memory, memory. But then what you go through is you start looking at all these different key moments and you start switching out the colors. Say, so, all right, this, this dark blue one now, this is gonna be a core memory. This is one that shifted and was a big part of this point in my life. And then when you're done, you start looking out at everything in your life saying, wow, this is, this is who God has created, this is my journey, who God has created me to be, and these are the key moments in my life. And when I did this project a number of years ago, it was really, really cool to see these, these blue post-its on there. And um, what, what's crazy is I was going through the second time, and my wife almost wasn't a blue post-it, and I was like, how did I miss that? If I show this to her without having that as one of the key moments, I'm in big trouble. But I looked at these, these moments in my life, and I see these different colors, and then what was amazing to me is when I looked at these colors, I would say, hey, this wasn't a moment where I was by myself, actually. This was a moment, I could look at those moments and say, this was a moment where I know there were people involved in this part of my life. There were people that influenced this decision. There were people that, that helped me make this decision, or people that it was blue because of somebody else. Like, if I was by myself, that wouldn't have been there. And I got to look and see how God had strategically put people in my life that would speak wisdom, they would, speak, they would give direction. They would, they would give me a provided need or a resource or, or some form of relationship that helped spur me and change me on. And it was so big to where I am today, and it was so good, to, so fun to see how my story unfolded, not just because of, of my life, but because of the people God had put in my life to get from point A to point B. All of my key moments um, to where I am now, where I went to college, who I, um, who I ended up marrying, my, my career choice, my, my, my one and only big geographical move across a, few, a couple states, right? These were all impacted because of not just me, but people around me and people that helped influence and change me to where I am today. And they were a part of my walk with God. It, and ultimately, this, I'm, I, I look back at my life and I'm like, I'm not just a one-man show. I'm a part of a collective. I'm part of a community that helped fuel and strengthen me through every aspect of these times. My experience in life comes from this community, and a lot of us call this, a lot of us call this community the church. The church has been a big part of my life. And as we, as we unpack and talk about church, a lot of us have this understanding that the church is not the building. We, we, we don't just come to a building for church. We are the church. We get to be the church. And so your community, your church, is a part of you wherever you go, if you want it to be. If you allow it to be, you get to be church, not just on a Sunday morning in a room, but you get to be church out and about all over the place. We get to be the literal and physical church. And we get to see how we advance because of the people we surround us with, because of our church. And I think there's a key thing that we're going to unpack. And I think a big part of it is we're only going to advance as far as the community we're a part of. We're only going to advance as far as the community we're a part of. If you're, if you're going by yourself, you're only going to get as far as you can take yourself. When you get a whole lot of people with you, you then get to go as far as that community is willing to go. As far forward, as much energy as it's going to go with, you get to be a part of it. So Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse 9, it says this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. We've, we've been given an incredible gift of each other. I know that sounds cheesy, and it, it, it does sound cheesy. You know, my greatest gift is you, but, but it's true. We've been given an incredible gift of being with each other. We are all better together. It's funny, the, the Golden State Warriors are going back to the finals. You know what they say all the time? Strength in numbers, better together. 
That, that's, that's their mantra when they play in, the, in, in basketball. And for the past eight years now, this is their sixth time in eight years going to the championship. They embody the better together movement. And I think there's a lot we can learn, not just from the, the warrior's mantra of it, but what scripture says about us being better together. Notice how the verse says that one can be overpowered. One can be overpowered. You, you may even find your life being destroyed and overpowered by, by the enemy, and it just gives you general disencur- dis- disencouragements and when life throws at you. Man, if, if you got to go through something by yourself, it is so hard sometimes, so hard most of the time to overcome massive life issues when you're all by yourself. But, and I think even in today's society, there, there's a huge emphasis on doing things alone. There's a huge emphasis on, hey, if you want to get better, read this book. You've got this. You can do it. And I, I said last week, I'm a fan of books that help you get better. But I'm also a fan of reading those books with a group of people and then that group of people helping each other get better. Something I love that I get to do is um, every, you know, once a month on Thursdays, and then, um, but also every Tuesday, I meet with a group of pastors and we're reading through books together. And we get to ask each other, how are you doing in this? How, is, how are you working this? How is this shaping your life? So it's not just me reading a book and saying, all right, what can I do? It's all of us challenging each other, holding each other accountable to what we're going to learn. And then we get to go through scripture. What does scripture say about this? And I know that I am becoming a better leader, a better pastor, because I have other pastors around me that are pushing me along, that are encouraging me. And I know they have something to offer me, just like they say I have things to offer them. God created us to be a part of this huge community And my hope and prayer is that we discover how to be more a part of a community and not apart from community. Being with others and and being in a community is showcased right away at the beginning of creation. From the beginning, in Genesis 2.18, we learn that God doesn't want Adam to be alone. He says this, Genesis 2.18, the Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. I think my wife likes to bring this up whenever she leaves. I'm going to be by myself. I know it's not good that you're alone right now. Just so true. I also, I personally hate being alone. But God said it. It's not good for man to be alone. And this is not just in this one instance, one verse, this man may not be alone. This, this is a statement that God is making for the rest of what you see through Scripture, community being important. God doesn't want us to be alone. He didn't call us to be alone. He builds and strengthens community all throughout Scripture. We start talking about the power of community, and one of my thoughts goes to some of you. It, it's not a new movie, but um, it, it's an insane movie that came out years ago. I think of the movie 300. Now, if you've ever seen the movie 300, it came out, and it's about a group of Spartans, and they decide no one's, the Persians are coming to invade Greece, and the, the Greeks, historically, and it's, the movie is very loosely based on a real story. It's definitely been Hollywoodized with special effects and some crazy things. But in the real story, the Persian naval fleet could not get past the Greek naval fleet. So the Persians had to dock at a beach and go through what was called the Hot Gates, a small pass to invade Greece. Now, Greece had Spartans. They were incredible warriors. They were also incredibly fit, which is why my wife wanted to see the movie. (laughs) But these Spartans, what they did is they knew, because of their battle tactics and the Persians had to go through a pass, they could defend this pass as long as they did it together. So they took 300 soldiers, and they defended this pass from thousands of Persian soldiers. And that group of 300 soldiers kept the Persians at bay. Now, before you go and say, I'm going to go watch this movie, Pastor endorsed it, know that it's rated R for very obvious rated R reasons. Saw the movie a long time ago. But they did a, something with their shields called a phalanx formation. There's a picture of it up here. So if you look at this, this is an actual picture from the movie, but you see their shields. 
And what they did when they put these shields down, they had a small pass to defend. They had their shields overlap one another. And so there was no gap between the soldiers in front of them. So if somebody wanted to get through them, they had to get through the shields. And these, like I said, these Spartans, they had a defensive tactic that was almost impenetrable. And if they wanted to start shooting arrows, the soldiers behind them would then raise their shields on top so there was another. There were no gaps, but they would layer their shields and make a pass that could not get past. No one could get through them. So what they embodied was a defensive community that nothing could pass. And throughout history and in the movie they portray it, this group of 300 soldiers holds off thousands until ultimately they're betrayed from within and something from within their ranks destroys them. But when they are working together and they have the strong world community defense, an army of thousands cannot get past an army of a few hundred. And it's an incredible story. And if you look through, again, the, the actual history behind it, the Spartans, they were not an assaulting army. They were the defensive army. And their defense and their, their community strength and defense helped them win so many battles. And as I think about this, it, how their defense was strong for them, it reminds me to me my, in my life how, how my defense and my advancement, this depends on who has their shields around me. As I'm, as I'm going through the battle in life, as I'm going on and I have my shield, who is around me that's going to help defend me? Who am I next to that I get to help defend? See, if it was just one Spartan saying, all right, I'm, I got the thousands coming at me and I've got them, He's not going to last. But because they had so much around them, their community was so strong, they were able to stand and fight. In my life, I want to surround my people with a community that are going to help defend me, that I'm going to get to be a part of defending, that we're going to grow stronger together. My strength, it's part of a collective ability in my team, not the strength or weakness of just any one person, us building each other up. I want, to, I want all of us to know that if we want to get to the next part in our life, we want to raise to that next level, we want to move forward, we've got to consider whether or not the community that we surround ourselves with every day, the community that we're, we're saying, this is what I'm going to let influence my life, this is what I'm bringing in, is this a community that's going to strengthen you? Or is it a community that's going to take you further away from being strong in what God's called you to be? Is it going to take you to that next level? The strength and resource and wisdom is going to be found in a community, I believe, and I know that God has called you to be a part of. The community God's given us, this, this church, when we come together, man, we are strong. And we get to grow and we get to build and we get to build our lives on faith with one another. And we can find that so many problems, there's so many problems in life when we come together and we get those shields around us. Scripture shows us that we can find solutions. God gives us an incredible community where solutions are found. For example, some people are plagued with loneliness. Loneliness is a plague that can be cured with a good community. Loneliness can be cured with a community. Confusion is a state of mind a lot of times that can be very steadied when you're surrounded with a good community. Fear is a spirit that a lot of us struggle with. Um, in the past couple years, there's been a lot of fear. I know that... Um, just recently with what happened in Texas, I don't know about you guys, but man, sending, sending my kids to school the next day, there was a little more fear there than normal because of tragedy that happened. But when we come together in a community, fear is a spirit that can get ejected because of a strong community. We come across obstacles. I think obstacles are destroyed and removed in a community. Purpose is uncovered and fulfilled in a community. Discouragement can be turned into strength when you are surrounded in community. Our failures can be turned into triumph 
when you're surrounded by community. How many of you guys have ever had that happen? You feel like you just totally botched something, but then your community, your friends show you how you did not, how you did this, and it spurs something else on. You get to be lifted up, and something that you look at is, oh man, this was devastating. Your community builds you up, and you become stronger because of it. A community can do that. And also, lies are silenced in the collective truth of a community. At one point in my life, I was in college, and there was... There was a, a friend I had had, and things started going south in our friendship. And what happened is this person then started gossiping about me to my friends and in my community. But what I loved is the friends that I had, I had such strong relationships with, they knew, they said, that's not Dustin. He wouldn't say that. He wouldn't do that. And so a lot of what someone was trying to do to really hurt me was destroyed because of a strong Christian Bible faith, truth-based community that I was a part of. Community brings truth. Proverbs 13.20 says this, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. So the question then is, who are you walking with this year? When you look at life, who are you going to walk with? Do you want to advance? And I think that if if the answer is yes, you do want to advance, then it's going to be together. There's going to be some things we can see in Scripture on how we are going to move forward together. One of the easiest things before we uh, go into Corinthians, one of the easiest things that we talked about it, and Jamie brought it up, and we've been promoting it, and I talk about it all the time, we've got small groups coming up. And I think one of the best ways for a healthy church to grow, we on the shadow of a doubt, is to have a good small group program. And not just a program, but a good small group community where people are diving in together. People are sharing life with one another. People are sharing food. People are playing games and really connecting with one another outside of a Sunday morning. So there's my not-so-shameless plug. I'll just say it. Don't leave here today without putting your name on a piece of paper on that foyer. Join a small group. It's going to be fun. Um, my small group is turning into a large small group, and it's going to be awesome. I'm so excited for it. But don't leave here today with missing out on that part of something you can do to strengthen your community. Strengthen what, what people can bring to you and what you can bring as well. The church community is essential for your healing and our advancement, and we are better together, it's true. But I want to go something even more important to that. Instead of just saying we're better together, I would say we're essential to each other. We are essential to each other. We're designed for dependence on God. Man, we are also designed for interdependence on each other. Dependence on God and interdependence on, one each, other, on, one, on each other. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 20 says this. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by the Spirit as, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even if the body, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, Behold, I am not a hand, and I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. I think um, all too often we can read these verses where Paul's referencing us as believers of the body of Christ and see just as it is a poetry or clever illustration rather than seeing this for an essential key that it really is. This is really unpacking how important we are for each other. Every one of us in in this church body has a different part to play, has a different element that you bring. And just because you're different than somebody else doesn't mean you're not important to the body. 
means you make up one awesome body, the church of God that we are all a part in. How essential our gifts are to each other. I think that's what Paul's really getting at here. He says, if we, if we all had the same gift, that would be a really weird looking body. If we were all one ear, just one massive ear, that would be really weird. All of us come together to make up this church body. We all bring different parts to it. He's trying to get us to understand the power and importance of the church and all the things we bring to it. And when he calls you the body of Christ, he means it. He, he means that just you have a gift and I have a gift. We are essential to each other. You bring something. Your friend brings something. You're essential to each other. And when we all come together, we form one incredibly essential body that all works together with a very important function of spreading the gospel of Jesus. And, and I think if, if, look at it this way, if, if someone were to lose a body part, if you saw that part on its own, you would know exactly what it is. And if you saw that person without it, you would know exactly what they're missing. When we look at church that way, when we look and say, hey, this is what I get to bring, and if I'm not there, we're, I'm, I'm missing something. If, if, I don't, if I don't get and tell how important it is for this person to come, then we're going to be missing something. I think that's how we have to see it. If, if we remove ourselves from it, we are removing something very important that God said, I created you to be this part of the body. We're designed for each other. And some people would, would even say, I've talked to people even recently that said, you know what? I don't need to go to church to go to heaven. I don't need to go to church to be, to be a Christian. And I would say, you know what? If you want to get black and white with it, yes, that's true. Scripture makes it very clear there's one way for this, and that's through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. But then I would say, but if you decide to go lone wolf, and you decide, you know what? I don't need that to go to heaven, so I don't want it. I would say, you know what? You do need Jesus, but if you say you don't need church, what you're missing out on is something so much more that God has for you that you're not going to get because you're choosing not to be a part of it. You're choosing to step out. You're choosing to say, I don't want to be that. And what you're saying is, I am choosing to miss out on so much more God has for me. I'm choosing to miss out. And I, I for one, I hate missing out. Um, when people post pictures of themselves in Disneyland, I have the fear of missing out. Right? I hate missing out. I want to be a part of it. And how much greater is it when we look at that as our, as our church community? Like, man, if I'm not there, I am missing out. If, if our church is doing something in this area where we're having a, a cleanup day here, a small group here, an outreach here, and we say, I don't want to be a part of it, man, I want us, instead of saying, I don't want to be a part, I want us to get to that point where we say, man, I don't want to miss that. I can't miss that because this is what I bring and this is what the community is going to build in me when I go. I would be so bold to say that if we decide to do it on our own, we're actually doing two different injustices. If we do this on our own, number one, we are not walking together, you rob yourself. And when we're not walking together, I really think we're robbing ourselves. Think about this. We heard in the verse that a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So if you're doing it by yourself, try battling depression on your own. Try battling it on your own. Try, try kicking a bad habit, whether it's, it's, it's alcohol or drugs or pornography. Imagine kicking that habit on your own. Is it possible? Yes. Is it a lot harder? Yes. It is so much harder on your own. You're robbing yourself of people that can really help you out. Is it possible? A million times yes. Is it going to be harder? A million more times yes, it will be harder on your own. Think of the last time you were doing a home project you needed a hand. That's for me, that's any home project. But think of the last time you're doing something at home and, you, and, and that thought crossed your mind, I wish I had help doing this. And you try to muscle through it, or maybe you didn't ask for help, or you, you thought you could do the work by yourself, and then the pipe burst, and you realize, I can't do this by myself. And then you start thinking of how much 
faster and easier. And even depending on who you bring along with you, how much more fun it would have been if you had someone in the house doing this with you. Sure, you could do it on your own, and you'd probably feel really strong. It would feed into your ego. Like, that's right, I did it. I did it. But how much smoother would it have been if you had someone maybe who was an expert in that area doing things along with you? In my family growing up, it's funny, I have a whole family of construction. My dad, my brothers, lots of them all do construction. I do not have a construction bone in my body. Does not work. So whenever I have a home project of anything, I would always call dad, Josh, my, my brother Jim. I, I would call someone, be like, I need help, and if you can't make it, I'm going to video you, and you're going to walk me through this because I don't know what I'm doing. On the flip side, when their computers broke, I was the guy. <laughs> They'd be like, my computer doesn't turn on. I would always ask, did you plug it in? ironically, there's always someone at some point in your life that says, oh yeah, right, that happens. But I, we, we all had our gifts, and I know that in our projects at home, the way we would do life together, we all had different people we would call that would help us come along, and we didn't have to do things by ourselves. And if we tried to do it by ourselves, we were robbing ourselves of the blessings somebody else could give us. We, I don't want us to rob ourselves. I want us to go and feel the fruit of people wanting to help. Feel the fruit of people wanting to serve. Let people pour into you so you're not robbing yourself of that community. And second, I would say, not only are we we're robbing ourselves, not walking together robs others. Not walking together robs others. When, when we go lone wolf, we're robbing others of a couple things. First, we're robbing them of the ability to use their gifts to serve because we're cutting them off. We're cutting other people off when they have a desire to serve. Without even giving them a chance, we're robbing them from the chance God has given them to use their abilities. We are robbing others of their time to serve. But it's a double-edged sword, right? Being a community isn't just a one-way blessing of, of the path of growth. It, it grows us and those around us. You, you, you think of a, of, a, of a winning team, right? Are you able to go and win on a team by yourself? Even the best players on a sport in the world cannot win by themselves. And all the great sports players had to learn they couldn't do by themselves, and they all had a supporting cast. Michael Jordan, the GOAT, right? He had his cast. We have Kobe Bryant, another phenomenal player. I know people only like or hate him, whatever. He was still amazing, but he had his cast. LeBron James still has his cast. He learned this year that the wrong cast does not get it done. You have to have your supporting cast. You can't do it on your own. A winning team, a winning sport, a winning group will have a cast where everyone is doing their part to grow together. And if you try to do it on your own, you're not going to work on your own. Even now, we're getting probably an Amber Alert where we can all be a part of a community, right? We can all help find someone or something. So even if you have your phone silenced, it's going to buzz right now. That's, that's part of the, the alert. It's all good. Moving forward together is a power, it's powerful. In all the settings we're in, moving forward together as a unit is a powerful state of being. And know that community doesn't just bring something to you, you bring something to your community. It doesn't just bring something to you, you bring something to your community. And we see this in Jesus. Even Jesus didn't do his life and his ministry alone. When you look at the life of Jesus, he wasn't by himself doing these things. He had moments where he was alone. He had moments where he went to pray to, to get refueled and recharged. But his life as a whole, he was not by himself. He had his community. We learn from him. He, had, he spoke to the masses. He would have his messages where people were there and he was feeding into the crowd. And then what would happen? Then he'd leave and he had his 12. And then even from his 12, he had his three. He had the ones that he was super close with. He had people close to him. From those different settings, we begin to see the community that Jesus established in Scripture evolve 
And then it turned into what we have as our church community today. We have Sunday morning. We have our large group. We have our small groups. From those small groups, I know that there are people that still meet outside of small groups on a regular basis. I have a, a Friday morning group that we pray. Friday morning, we get together 6 a.m. every Friday. And what I love about this group is it doesn't just, it, it started on Fridays, but now throughout the week, we'll start texting each other. Hey, I'm struggling here. Can someone pray for me? Hey, I, don't, I can't be alone right now. Can somebody come hang out? Can I go meet with somebody? And we get to be together. But it, it went from large group to small group to personal group. And we see the community grow. And I know that I'm a better person because of these people in my small group. Community is key to strength and growth. And I want to I show you guys five ways that I think the church community has advanced our lives. And the church community, when it's healthy, these are ways that it can advance all of us. The first one is a church, a good church community provides purpose. In the passage we read in, in 1 Corinthians 12, it articulates our value and how our purpose is unique and our purpose is different, but that each of us had that specific purpose, right? We each have that role that we play within the body. <clears throat> Going back to sports, because I love sports, if you take someone on a baseball team and put them in a position that they are not good at, it's going to look real bad. We've seen a phenomenon this year already of position players, like first base and second baseman, playing pitcher. And usually it happens when a team is blowing another team out. Like, hey, we have a 13-2 to two lead. We're going to have our first baseman pitch. And it is hilarious watching these players pitch. And they're only doing it because they want to. They're not going to lose the game. Um, there was actually one clip that went viral this year where a first baseman comes into pitch. And if you know pitching, you know, they typically face sideways. The first baseman, he's looking right at it, and he does this weird pitch. And he hits the batter. He hits the batter with like a 40-mile-an-hour lob. The batter could have gone like this and then watched the ball go, but the batter didn't. He stood there, and it hit him, and he did a dramatic bat went up, and he crumbled to the ground. This whole stadium started laughing, and, and, and the pitcher you know, kind of put his head down. He, the umpire was laughing, what happened, right? But what happens is it's obvious the pitcher was not designed to be there. But when we come into our community and we work with each other, we start finding our purpose. We find what are we supposed to do? What were we called to do? We get a place to use our gifts and we realize, hey, I maybe thought that I had this and it didn't have value. But then when you come into the community and we start talking about following Jesus together, we say, hey, this is my purpose. This is what I get to bring to the table. And you have a whole new lease on the life and the gifts that God has given you. Sometimes you find maybe that you've been called to a primary or full-time role in a pastoral ministry position. Maybe you find that, you know what, that's not your call, but God has using you in, because of your community, you found that, hey, you still get to do your ministry. You still get to live out this commission God has called you in your current workplace. I know that my dad was a former pastor, and right now, he, um, for a long time now, he's been um, a contractor. He remodels windows and bathrooms and, and, and kitchens and does all sorts of fun construction stuff. Again, I did not go in the family business for a reason. I can't do that. But what he does, it's amazing. He's able to share Christ with and invite the church and bring Christ to so many people that he is going out to do bids with. He walks into a house having never met these people in his life, and he leaves having prayed with them. It's like, you know what? He found his purpose. God hasn't called him to, to, to be a full-time church role, but if you want to define church roles working in physically the church, he is the church in his community out and about, and God is using him to reach people. And that's amazing. When we come together, we get to find our purpose and what God has called us to do, and we get to spur each other on in this. Church calls you beyond where you are. So it calls me beyond where I am. 
I think our natural tendency is, as people is to, to slip or step back. You know, if you ever stay stagnant too long, you start to backslide. Um, this week, this, uh, this weekend, the past couple days, um, I got the privilege. I, I flew down to California and I got to see some of my former uh, students from when I was a youth pastor graduate. Um, a lot of them didn't know that, that I was coming, so it was fun to just go to their ceremony and, and celebrate with them their high school graduation. But I'll tell you, I was not around uh, my wife and my kids who have all been helping me with my healthy eating. I was at my dad's house. He makes really good cookies. I can honestly say I did not consume a cookie, but oh my gosh, it was hard. It was so hard. I was like, I'm two months into this no sugar thing. I don't want to kill it in one day, but it was hard. I will say I had my first slice of bread in two months. Mexican food in California is phenomenal. I had a taco, and it was awesome. But at the same time, <clears throat> in my mind, I was like, all right, I have an opportunity now, because I did one thing, I have an opportunity to backslide. Now, I'm back, we're all good, things are good, but as humans, we have a natural tendency, if we're not moving forward, you can say, I'm just going to stop, but our natural tendency is not just to stop, our tendency is to slide back. Our tendency is to go back into old habits, to say, well, this wasn't so bad, so I'm going to move back into this. That's a natural thing we do as humans. When you're in a community, it will call you to go beyond where you are, to keep moving you forward. You have people alongside that are pushing you forward. Think of it like a stagecoach where you have the horses all tied together. If one horse slows down, guess what? It can't stop because the other horses are still pulling it forward. When we get in a community where that happens, we feel like, oh, man, I'm slowing down. You get people alongside that are going to run with you. Man, sliding back, make, it makes it a lot harder to slide back because you got people pushing you along, encouraging you, bringing you on this journey with them. People you can grab onto and say, man, right now I need you to pull me, and that community will pull you. And then in turn, you'll find there's times where your community says, hey, I need you to pull me, and you get to be a part of the pulling. And it's a great, awesome thing. If you want to advance, keep yourself serving. Keep yourself connected to teams. Keep yourself connected to people that say, I'm going to do this. We are going to do this together. Keep connected to the church family because you want to keep your life in that space with a level of demand that puts time and energy where you are focused on looking ahead. It takes effort to move forward. It's so easy to slip back. But then it's not just about running when you don't want to. Consider it the reality while knowing there will be days when your friends at church don't feel like running. There will be days where you're, you have people that you're relying on say, man, I'm having a hard time. But that's not the time where you say, oh, man, we're all going to step back now. That's the time where you can say, hey, now it's my turn to step up. Now it's my turn to do some leading. And it's my turn to do some running. A community exposes, exposes blind spots and pitfalls. Exposes blind spots. How many times has someone come up to you in your life and said, you, you've said, man, I'm doing this. And they'll go, yeah, but I've seen this in you. And you totally didn't see it. So many times I think people have the ability to see something that's tripping us up. But when we have the right circle around us, people can help, not just for the sake of trying to condemn somebody. We don't want that. But we want people that say, hey, I see this in you, and I want to help you get through this. One of the, the biggest examples for that, and we've probably seen this a lot, or maybe we were the recipient of this, is when you were in a relationship that you shouldn't have been in. How many times, you know, if you're in that relationship, you're like, yep, this is the girl for me, or, or, for, or for girls, you're like, this is the guy for me, and everyone in your family is like, no, 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 this is not good, this is bad. But in the moment, it is so good, and this is right. And then something happens, and the relationship ends, and you look back, and you go, would you know they were right? 
They saw all those things, but you didn't see it. Because what happens in those moments is we start pushing them away, saying, I know what's best, I see it, you don't. And we start pushing away the people that aren't just trying, they're not trying to tear you down, but people that care for you and love you. And they're walking in this journey in Jesus with you, and they want to see you grow. And they're able to see things sometimes that we just don't see. It's not just relationships. It's just an awesome aspects of life. People can see things. People that are following God can see things maybe that we don't see because maybe we took our eyes off of God for a minute and we started doing something. But man, that community, that church, that healthy group moving forward together can see those things, can help bring you along and point things out in a way that's going to want you to help, to help grow you and move forward. Invite people in your lives that are going to have input and correction. People that you know have your best interests. People that you know have God's best interests that are going to help grow you. Let people close enough to see stuff. And you all know what I mean when I say see stuff. Let people in, not just from a distance. We talked about perspective and perception a few weeks ago. Let people close. A community is not just something that you see from a distance. You're a part of it. Let people see it. One of my favorite things I know a healthy community does, uh, community brings joy to my life. Community brings joy. I, I have so much fun with people. So much fun here at church, so much fun in my community. I think the world we live in, and I know the world we live in, is one of the most connected worlds ever in the world today. But at the same time, it is the most lonely world we've ever been in. Think about that. We have the most connected world in the sense of you can go online, you have social media, you see anyone, anything, any place, anywhere, and you feel like we are so connected. But those same people, many of them, that are posting all this, I love my life, are some of the most sad, lonely, depressed people in the world. And they only let people see a certain standpoint of them. And it's because we think we have an illusion of community because we can see someone on a screen or we can see aspects of their life. I'm a part of their life when in all reality we're not. A community is going to be tight-knit and it's going to bring joy. It's not going to be something that you see from a distance. It's going to be something that's going to make your life feel more rich. It's going to make your life feel more full because you're doing it together. A community will bring joy, a community will be close-knit, and it will help advance you personally, not just digitally. And lastly, it helps you overcome and find victory. The community of, of church that God has put us in, this community specifically here, we want to get real close-knit, Puyallup, Celebration Church. All of us here today, together, we can all find victory no matter what we're going through because we can all point people to the same Jesus the same God who loves us, and it helps us find victory. I don't want us to just think of church as a community where we retreat to, but a team or a family to charge the world with. We get to come here and recharge, but you know what else we get to do as a community? We get to go take on the world. And I love the fact that when we take on the world, this book says that we won. We already won, and that is the most encouraging. That should bring more joy than anything, right? We're going to face hardships. We're going to go into battle, but when we do this together, we win. Because Jesus already won. We get to find victory. It's a powerful story and a picture of how the church works in tandem with the power of God to transform our lives. Um, a lot of us may know the story of Lazarus, but let me read this to you. John 11, starting in verse 38, it says this. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave of a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So he took away the stone. Jesus basically just said, I'm God. I said what I said, do it, right? Move the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. 
I knew that you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is a powerful story about the supernatural power of God at work. And I love that. But notice what Jesus does after he says, Lazarus, come out. There's a powerful thing here. He says to those standing there, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus does not say, Lazarus, you're free. Go live your life. He doesn't say, guys, you saw Lazarus, right? You you saw the power of God. Now go on with your lives. He immediately says, Lazarus is here. Go to him. Help him take off his clothes. He establishes a community with Lazarus right there. This is not just a miracle so people can see the glory of God and then go on with their lives. He said, now you saw the glory of God. Now be a part of a community together so you can spread the glory of God. Do this together. I think so many people in our life can get breath restored and brought back to life within an encounter with Jesus and, and, and then isolate and say, you know what? I, I've got this new life in Jesus. Now I'm gonna go do things on my own. But man, to walk in freedom, we need our families. We need our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need our community. And we'll only advance if we're willing to allow others to speak into our lives. If we allow people who are reading this book, studying this life of Christ, living this transformed life of Christ speak into us, then we're going to start to see transformation. And like I said, we get to that point where we get to also be a part of helping others in their transformation because we're all pointing it to Jesus. If you need wisdom for your marriage, it's in Scripture, and we've got a community of people that have great, healthy, strong marriages that we can learn from and tap into. I love it when I meet a couple and someone is say, you know, how long have you been married? We're celebrating 60 or 70 years. Man, the first question I want to just ask is, how? Not, not like, like I, I'm in doom or I'm in danger, but I want, I want to learn. Like, that's 70 years. That's incredible. When we live in a country where the divorce rate is going past 50% now, people that have been married for 70 years, learn from them. Ask questions. What can we learn from their community? What community are they a part of that helps them, got, helps them go through strong things? And we live in the house of God, and the house of God has amazing people in it. Learn from each other. Need insight for your business? Man, it's in your community. Find out what people in, in church are running successful businesses. Find out how we can help each other grow here. You need relationship help? It's in our community. Need freedom? It's in our community that is focused in the body of Christ. Feeling overwhelmed by your sin. One where you feel like, man, this is just breaking me down and I'm just feeling the weight of what's happening because of the choices I've made. The community of Christ, this community is here not to condemn, not to convict, but to show you the love of God and help propel you forward. Point you to Jesus, the kindness of God that leads to repentance, and then let God start doing the work in people's hearts. If you're trapped by an addiction or an old way of living, man, breaking chains is the specialty of a strong community especially a strong community that knows they have the ultimate chain breaker in the middle of their community. Let God break chains. Let people build each other up. We are stronger together, and I can't emphasize enough. And if, if you're relying on a 30 or 40-minute Sunday morning message from me, and I don't even honestly think I'm that good. I'm trying to get better. But if you're relying on a 30-minute message, we're missing out on so much more that community has to offer. So much more. Be a part of a community. Join with small groups. Outside of small groups, get connected with other people. Do life together. And let's watch how God will strengthen us because we are better together with each other and with him. Amen? I'd like to invite you to stand. and like to invite the worship team to come back up as we get ready to close this morning. I, I fully believe that everybody here needs a breakthrough. 
in some aspect, some way, some shape, some form. Everybody here needs to move forward. And if you're online today, uh, I, I hope someday soon you join us here in person in this community because I think you have something to bring us that we don't, aren't experiencing because you're, you're watching us right now. And I think that we have something maybe even for you. Join us here in person. Uh, people that are here, get connected with each other outside of Sunday morning. Let's grow stronger together. Invite people to be a part of our community because, man, we have so much to offer each other. We have so much to offer the world, and we have so much to offer, especially when we point them to Jesus who has everything to offer. Community holds the ingredients for our freedom and breakthrough and somebody else's freedom and breakthrough and their walk with Jesus. So don't be held back. And maybe even think about in your life right now, maybe what is holding you back from taking that next step saying, I'm going to be involved in this group. Whatever it is, it's probably, I'll, I'll, I'll be bold and I'll say it, it's not as important as getting together with your community. If, if you're shy, it's all good. So is my wife. Give her a call and hang out. I know she spoke here a few weeks ago. You wouldn't imagine that, that she's introverted and shy, right? But, but she loves connecting with people. We, um, the fact that I was in California for a few days, I had Aurora and Avery with me. Stephanie was at home by herself, and people said, oh, that's so sad. I said, she's probably having the time of her life. She's probably so happy. <clears throat> find community. Find people that are like-minded. Do life together, and then build each other up. Never doubt what God can do in your heart and in other people's hearts because we are doing life together. Get planted. Get connected. It's a huge first good step. Amen? God, you are good. I thank you for this community. I thank you for these people that, that call not just this church your home, but call you Father. I pray that as we go through life, we connect with each other. We, we sign up for small groups, not just on paper, but we connect with people outside of church personally. God, we build our community. We learn from each other. We grow together. God, and we give you the victory, and we go out in the world knowing you have built us. You have made us strong. Nothing can tear us down because we have our shields around us, and they're centered around you. We thank you, God. We love you. And everybody said, amen. amen.